everyone, welcome back to this very special edition of the SBK Betting Podcast, where we are previewing the Cheltenham Festival. We've got to day three. So if, you, if you've got through day one and day two, hopefully we found a few winners. Perhaps you're on your way to Cheltenham. Perhaps you're you're listening to this prior to Cheltenham. We are still a few more days out from getting our final declarations as well. But we are have had a look through every single race of day one and day two. We're now on to day three. And importantly, we're on the new course for these next couple of days. And we're going to look in this podcast at all of the races from day three. And the first race of the day on Thursday is the Turner's novices chase to be run over two mile four furlongs and unfortunately like a majority of the novice races this week we are still unsure as to who turns up but listening to those closest to the horses it seems like this is the preference for galloping Deschamps, and he's 11 to 8 as it stands with sbk bob ollinger actually leads the market he definitely goes here he's six to five we've heard a bit earlier that long Presse is going to step up to three miles to take on brave man's game in the brown advisory so these are the main two and this if this does materialize this will be a spectacular showdown between two exceptionally good and talented novices uh, brave man's game is also in the betting but he doesn't go to this race and there's a bit of a gap to the next one which is blue lord so we say a very um, big hello to ross miller to james millman to tom collins um i'll start first with you tom let's say we get bob ollinger versus galloping Deschamps. Tom, what do you think? Can Gallopin continue on his upward trajectory and beat Bob Ollinger? Or are we sort of forgetting about how mightily impressive Bob Ollinger was last year at this festival? It would be great if we did get um, Gallopin de Champ against Bob Ollinger. I'm still working on the basis that Gallopin de Champ isn't coming here. Now, I know you're com- you're convinced he is and that, you know, Twitter now is saying that Gallopin de Champ is going to go to the Turners. And that worries me a little bit because I really fancy him in the Brown Advisory. He would have been my nap, as I said in the previous um, podcast. However, on the basis that he's not going here, Bob Ollinger will win this race. If Galapin de Champ does go here, then I will be with Galapin de Champ. I think he's a better novice chaser. Um, I think he's very trip versatile. He can win over two and a half or three miles. Um, and so far, he's just been so impressive. I think he'll be about eight to 11, four to six if they both turn up um, in this race. Galapin de Champ, that is. However, Bob Ollinger is a worthy um, opponent. He's very smart. He was so impressive last year. Um, in the Ballymore where he just made Gaia de Manil look so slow, uh, just moved away from him. He's been a bit iffy over his fences this year. I think too much was probably made of it um, first time up at Gorham Park. Everyone was saying he jumped like a bag of hammers. It wasn't that bad really, was it? Um, he just didn't make the right shape over his fences. He was much better last time out. Um, this hasn't necessarily been an amazing race in the last 10 years. If you look at the figures, uh, Bob Ollinger's already run to a mark that would be good enough to win an average renewal of the Turners. Um, so he is bang up to scratch. I just think Galapan de Champ is a little bit better. If they both turn up, it'll be a brilliant match race. One of the best races of the festival. Yeah, I think it's really important to look at it through those two lenses. If they do both turn up, James, and if it is just Bob Ollinger, I think Tom's quite right. It will be quite a bit of an average renewal if it's just Bob on his own. But yes, I'm working off the basis that they both run because I, I've, I've listened to a couple of Willie Mullins previews and he says he's, preferring to stay at this trip, which at the end of the day, he's done the majority of his racing and winning on. So it would be a great matchup if they do line up. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's interesting because for me, who else is actually going to turn up other than those two? I don't think there's going to be that many runners. It's probably going to be the one race which really does cut up numerically. Um, Lompress is a horse I like. 
as long as Venetia and the owner, I think he has got quite a big say, opposes uh, Gallup and Deschamps because for me, he wins whichever race he goes for. And I think if it's a small field, it will play to Gallup and Deschamps' favour because we know he can bowl along out in front, whereas Bob Ollinger can take a bit of a keen hold on occasion. And ultimately, it's going to be a bit of a tactical race. And I think that Paul Townend um, were to use that to his strengths and Gallup and Deschamps. Bob Ollinger's only seen twice over fences, um, like Willie Wellington's horse. But as Tom said, Gorham wasn't particularly impressive. Darrow Keith read him for the first time there. And he got the job done, two to on again at Punchdown. But visually, Gallup and Deschamps has been the much more impressive out of the pair. He also did it at Cheltenham. He beat Langadan nicely um, at the festival last year. And he's just been on a bit of a roll since. So for me, he's really improving. And I'm confidently with the Willie Mullins runner, Gallup and Deschamps out of the match bet. And I'm not sure what else will, will get involved. I think there'll be a long way behind these two. Yeah, it, it, it seems like Gallup and Deschamps, especially on ratings anyway, he's four pounds higher than uh, the handicapper gives Bob Ollinger of 160, Gallup and Deschamps 164. Ross, your final thoughts? Do you think Gallup has improved that much further past Bob Ollinger or, or what we underestimating him or even we forgetting about something else in this race? Uh, no, I I think Gallup and Deschamps is a much better chaser than, than Bob Ollinger. Um, Bob Ollinger would be my layer the, of the festival if Lompresse had turned up. I was hoping Brave Man's game would come here. Um, I just think his jumping would have stood him in good stead. Um, I'm with TC, really. I'm perhaps uh, fighting an unequal battle with Mr Mullins that he is going to end up coming here. Um, and I think he'll beat Bob Ollinger comfortably. Bob Ollinger isn't a bad jump it doesn't look like he's going to fall but he just when he gets in tight is very slow very deliberate very awkward and i just can't see against galloping Deschamps that he's going to be good enough to get away with that galloping Deschamps doesn't run then he probably will be good enough to get away with it in an average renewal one i would just throw into the mix at a bigger price is saint sam if willie mullins has to divide up this sort of multitude of novice chase he's got he set very strong fractions at the irish article and when headed, looked like he might fall in a hole, and he didn't. He got his head down and he kept on coming. He made a mistake at the second last, which knocked him back a little bit. Um, if he was given a more restrained ride, which they did last year in the Boodles hurdle, they sort of held him up and he finished a better effect. I could just see him getting close to Bob Ollinger, um, probably not good enough to beat him, um, but he's a horse I like, and I, I was really impressed how he didn't give up last time. You know, he kept on coming back at them all the way to the line. Uh, an extra half mile trip in the hill might just see him to better effect if he was in any way to settle a bit better. Okay, so a good each way price at the moment for the, for Saint Sam at fourteen to one, but I think it's a pretty much a, a comprehensive selection for Gallop and Deschamps if this is where Willie Mullins decides to send him. Um, but uh, it's still yet to be decided. Bob Bollinger, otherwise, he's got he's, he's got a, an easier task on his hands. Okay, we'll head on into the per temps handicap hurdle. That will be at two ten on the Thursday, over three miles. It's a needle on a haystack kind of race, as you know that there are plenty of horses laid out for this who have sneakily qualified throughout the season. Mrs. Milner did just that last year, but she did fall at the Dublin Racing Festival and route to this, so she had a slightly unorthodox approach to this. James, we have a market leader in Winter Fog who was a runner-up in that keep attempt to qualify at Leopardstown, has been kept fresh for this for a man who's uh, Emmett Mullins, who knows how to lay one out. And at 11 to 2, skinny enough, or do you think it's justified? He's skinny enough, but it's a compare and contrast. 27 went to post for the attempt to qualify at Leopardstown, 
over the Christmas period. We've struggled to get Southern to go for the British qualifiers. He's got a £10 higher mark than that success. But that was the first start for the Emmett Mullins' team. I was trained by Daniel Murphy prior to that. Um, he was 8-1. to one. I think all they wanted was a top six finish. They got it. And actually, the weight rise ensures he gets in quite nicely. And he's so strewed, Emmett Mullins, A, for improving horses that join his yard, and B, for having specific targets. And once he's qualified, he's kept his powder dry, not seen him again since. Um, yes, he's going to be skinny and what's a competitive race. But for me this year, especially amongst the British qualifiers, numerically, that there's been no strength and depth to, to the race. His sporting boy, he's done well, but then he's gone up in a handicap for, for winning a qualifier. I think it's just going to leave him a little bit badly treated. So while it's short enough, I just put my faith in Emmett Mullins. And, and when they really get gambled, they generally deliver. So Winterfog's a section for me. I've not got a real strong opinion elsewhere. The only slight negative is the race didn't work out that well at Leopardstown. And uh, subsequent runners know they qualified been a little bit disappointed. Panda Boy, who actually won that race and, and likely to reoppose at Cheltenham. He struggled at a Dublin Festival, uh, like a lot of the horses in that race. But I just think it's a Emmett Mullins plot job. So, yeah, I'm happy with the fog. Okay, 11 to 2, as it stands, if it is a bit of a, a well thought out gamble, then obviously also in the shunter colours of Paul Byrne, then it might get a lot shorter than that as well before the off. Um, uh, Tom, you were all over the Bosses Oscar last year, who bumped into a better handicap, shrewdly paced one. So you're a bridesmaid last year. Have you unearthed something that uh, could actually turn into a bit of a, a the Bosses Oscar and, and, and be a bit gambled on, do you think? I hope so, Jess. Um, this is one of the races that I look at early in the season. I'm not an anti-post punter, really, but um, the Potemps final is the one that really catches my eye. It's the handicap I think you can you can get a view on, have an opinion on, um, before we even turn into the, the actual year that the Cheltenham Festival has been running, if that makes sense. I think the Leopard Sound Potemps qualifier run on 28th or 27th of December, 28th this year, is the key trial. Five of the last six um, winners of the Potemps final ran in that qualifier. The only one that didn't was Delta Work in 2018. Um, I looked at this, this race in great depth back in December. I'm going to stick with my opinion um, because I backed Dunboyne in December. Dunboyne is now my fancy here. He's eight to one. He's currently 30 um, on the race card. I thought Jack Kennedy ruined his chance of making the final last time out because it was an awful ride, I think. He made a terrible mistake turning for home. And then Kennedy, some reason, angled towards the rail. Like, why would you do that in a big field? Makes no sense. Got badly checked and just finished out the back of the TV, basically. I therefore thought he wasn't going to get a big enough penalty to actually make the final. Hopefully six horses come out so he, so he gets in. I imagine they will. Um, but I think eight to one is a very fair price. I got double that uh, back in December. I think he's a, uh, just a plot horse, really. Gordon Elliott's laid one out. He always does for this race. I'm scared of winter fog, but at the same time, a very well-known Irish pundit has put him up. Um, and that's why he's a short price favourite. So Dunboyne is the value play for here for me for, in this race. Yeah, just having a look at him, he does actually really tickle the trends boxes if you're one of those. As he's, as you, as they tend to be under the age of eight, he's seven. I've also got a trend here, run less than 10 times, he's run eight, and he's trained by Gordon Elliott, which is also another positive for him. And he's also by Yates, he had a great a great festival last year. So a lot pointing in the right direction for Dunboy, and he's quite a curious horse. So, uh, we'll see how Tom's uh, Tom's selection gets on. Um, Ross, we'll head to you as well. Um, Tom likes this race, likes a race that you can sort of watch and see the the, the how those per tense races throughout the season develop. Is it a race for you? Has, have you found anything that sort of fits the, fits those trends? 
Uh, I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not a fan of these qualifiers where basically you're rewarded for not trying. It doesn't doesn't really sit sit all that well with me. Um, but but like TC, I was very keen on that 2020 Tina Healy point to point where Don Boyne was fourth, and actually winning that point to point was Falcano. Um, he pulled himself up when he got to the front last time. He's clearly a monkey. He wears headgear, got to the front, shot clear, and then half a furlong out just completely down tools and got swamped and was was beaten in a blanket finish um he was previously very eye-catching under brian cooper in a punchestown qualifier finishing in that magic sixth place um he's got a six pound tax from from the from the handicapper um i wonder whether they might claim and offset that um in a big field uh maybe when ridden with a bit more restraint and delivered halfway up the hill uh, I think he's a talented horse on a reasonable mark. But the one I do like in this for for, for, for England is uh, Honest Vic. Um, he's become disappointing over fences, but he definitely, definitely saves his best form for Cheltenham. He was fifth in the Coral Cup off uh, 140. Um, he won a per attempt qualifier over course and distance in 2020. Uh, he runs off 141, I think it is here now. He was as high as 150. Um, if he can get back to his best, I think he's attractively handicapped. Uh, Henry Daly's having a really good season. Um, so he interested me at, at a big price. Yeah, I saw an interview, I heard Henry Daly talking about Honest Vic and the, having a bit of a nightmare with, with chasing and coming back to hurdles. And he actually said what I thought was interesting is that he's a horse who needs a big, a big field. So a race like the Potemps will really will really benefit him. Um, so 22 to 1 at the moment. Uh, Dumb Boyne for Tom is 8. Volcano 11 to 1. Very similar profiles, um, those two Gordon Elliott trained runners. And uh, as I said before, he's had a he's had a he's has a lot, a lot of success in this race, which has been won by some smart horses, the likes of presenting Percy. I've my selection's a little bit left of field. It's what's not to know, who's been put up 10 pounds by the UK handicapper. This horse hasn't won for over two years, so I thought it was very harsh. He's been a bit of a head scratcher, he's been a beaten favorite on two occasions this year, but He's only ran over this trip of three miles three times. Um, and the three times he's tried it, he's been placed. And the other times he clipped hills and he unseated his rider. But have a look back at what he did in uh, at the Dublin Racing Festival last time to finish fourth. He was a real eye catcher, staying on strongly. Um, he could just get into the placings. It's an each way bet for me. I think Mouse Morris has had a, a, a very tricky season. Um, from what I've seen, only two winners all season. And I think that's reflected in this horse's price, which will be as big as 33 to one. Um, but it's, uh, it's always going to be quite tricky, this. And I just thought he could be, he could just sneak in the placings here. You can get quite a lot of placings for the, for the per temps. Um, okay, we've got selections for that. Um, good betting feet. The Ryanair chase, perhaps less of a good betting feat. Um, in that Aloho, if he, if Honeysuckle, I wasn't necessarily everyone's banker of the meeting. I feel like Aloho might just be for this race. He won it in rip roaring fashion last year. And essentially the rest of the horses near him in the betting, he's currently four to six, aren't going to run in this race. Enigamine, Aplutard, Chachin Poursois, um, Sean Blue is his nearest rival and he's coming back from a significant injury. So um, Ross, I'll come back to you. You know, it's, it's Alaho's race to lose, isn't it? From what we're from the vibes we're hearing any anyway, from a pretty bullish Willie Mullins yard. Yeah, I think the only thing that beats Alaho is an Alaho mistake. Um he, he's he's just looked head and shoulders above these. Um 
at, at this level over this trip. Um, so four to six on, there'll be plenty of people that think that's value. And, and I can see the I can see the logic of it. You know, it doesn't seem a, a bad price really for a horse that's unbeaten at this trip in the last two years, won this race last year, but it's it, it's just not my MO. Um, to the intermediate at a bigger price, El Dorado Allen. Um, he was impressive in the Denman chase. It, it might not have been all that much of a race, but he showed that he's got stamina for three miles, having previously finished second in the Arkle last year, where he was ridden to pick up some pieces, but clearly has the speed for two miles. Um, he jumps well. It's pretty adaptable, read the ground. Um, I think he'll run a big race. And then the other one who never gets the credit he deserves, and there's this sort of spin that finally Mellon got his head in front last time, having run some really poor races and how regressive he is. I, I don't think he is. He turns up, he runs in all the grade ones in Ireland um, over all the trips. Um, he had a nightmare passion for John Dirk and still finished third. He finished fourth in the Savills at Leopardstown um, and he never looks like it. he's at his best at Leopardstown. Um, Cheltenham, two and a half miles, he'll finish up the hill. So I could see Alaho winning it and Alderado Allen and, and, and Mellon finishing out the places. Um, you, you mentioned Sham Blue as second favourite coming back off a off a break I mean you've only got to watch his run back at Cheltenham last year in the in the JLT as it was then I think um I couldn't be having him on my mind at all um and and I think there is a concern that Harry Skelton doesn't ride these big races at the festival as well as some he will obviously improve with experience but I think he's got to um he, he certainly didn't ride to his best of his ability at the festival last year I didn't think yeah, an interesting view on Sean Blue, and I'm um, going to come back to those points about Harry Skelton a little bit later when we get to the, well, the next, the, in the next podcast when we get to uh, the Gold Cup as well. But that is um, Ross's take on the Ryanair. Um, Tom, your thoughts on this? Because Alaho, you know, I as I've said, is, is pretty much a lot of people's bankers will be placing a lot of accumulators. Is that a pretty safe bet, do you think, for this race? Yeah, if he just re reproduces his effort last um, from last year, he'll win this race by a wide margin. He doesn't even have to run to that level to win. Um, he's just by far the most superior horse in this race. Um, I just imagine he's going to dominate from the front and win. However, I don't want to be betting him at odds on. Um, yes, I might put him in a um, short price accumulator with Honeysuckle and Galapanda Champ and the like, but I certainly won't be singling Alaho. Um, I think maybe the value bet would be Chamblou without the without the favourite or Chamblou in the place market, including Alaho. Um, I hear what Ross is saying. He wasn't very good last year in the Marsh. He also wasn't very good um, in the Ballymore the year before. Maybe Cheltenham isn't his course, but when we saw him um, in the Betfair Chase, he was just, uh, in the um, Charlie Hall, sorry, he was very impressive. I know he fell, but he was going to win by a wide margin. The race wasn't brilliant, but it doesn't matter. His performance was still so visually impressive. And I, I know I have this rule where I don't back horses who fell, who fell last time out. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, but he's been off for such a long period of time. He would have done numerous works um, and plenty of schooling at home, I imagine. Dan Skelton, I know, gets horses well fresh. So maybe that's enough to make that point redundant. Um, but look, I wouldn't be backing him anyway. This is a race I'm not going to be having a punt in. And if it is, it would just be chucking Alaho in a short price accumulator. Yeah, I tend to feel like him coming off the back of the break and seeing how enthusiastic and over racing he was, I thought, um, last time, even though I did, I had tipped him, I think I seem to remember, and it was absolutely nightmare seeing him come down. I just don't know if it'll play into his strength with a horse who's just come to stay off, off the back of some great performances in Alaho. James, any any additional thoughts? Uh, well, for me, Alaho, out of 
the trio, Shushkin, Honeysuckle and Alahai in the future races. For me, he's by far the banker out of all of them. We've mentioned the, the main rivals are probably going elsewhere. Um, I don't know if he runs, but Chatham Street Lad, if he ended up turning up for the Ryanair, I could see him plugging on for a bit of place money because he even looked very good when he beat Midnight Shadow uh, back in last December over near enough course and distance. So that would be one at a price. But for your, your banker, for your accumulators throughout the meeting, Alaho is, is your one you want to be sticking in. I'm, I'm pretty sure, not exactly original, that he does look pretty concrete throughout Ranch out in the Ryanair. And everyone's kind of scared of him as well. And a lot of them are going to go in handicaps rather than take him on. And they're going to sidetrack towards Gold Cup or Queen Mother. So ultimately, despite the fact that um, he was beat by Chacun Poissoir, uh, dropping back two mile last year at Adventurestown, he's, he's a very, very good horse at this um, optimum trip of two and a half. And realistically, like I say, he's my main banker banker of the, of the meeting because I think Honeysuckle could potentially be a little bit vulnerable to appreciate it. And Shishkin had a hard race last time. Um, in, in the Clarence House. So, yeah, Alaho, the, the main one of the, the meeting out of those three. I'll end off this section saying, agree with the guys. I think Alaho is a very, a very strong selection um, for the Ryanair. So, we'll, we'll head on into a bit more of an interesting uh, feature the Stayers Hurdle. Midway through the season, we thought we had a good renewal on our hands here um, with some standout Stayers. And, and now we're sort of back in the normal position. We tend to look at this race, it's wide open. Uh, last year's winner has two letters to his name since that win, um, Flooring Porter, but he is the four to one favourite. Time Hill, he's been freshened up uh, since his second in the long walk. Classical Dream, he's come back of a bad dip run. He's 92. Champ needs to come off a bad, uh, uh, another sort of uh, a performance he should have won in, in last time out, while everyone assumed he was going to win, um, but he couldn't beat Paisley Park, who gave him about 50 lengths at the start. And he's now come in here with a win to his name, which didn't look like he was going to at the start of the season. So, yeah, it's the muddle. Um, and, Ross, I'll come to you first, because Paisley Park was your antipost selection when we talked about this race back in January. I think it was about 25 to 1 before he won on trials day. Wasn't that right? So you must be pretty happy with that, looking at it now. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. But I still, I mean, happy with that he's, shown he wants to put his best foot forward but then you're also wondering whether you know could he just not jump off because it's you know I, I was worried that sort of Aidan Coleman and Emma Laval said after the race after the cleave oh well yeah you know he, he's often thought about doing that and you've got to be a bit aware of it well I I'd never noticed it so it's concerning that he's getting worse with it in inverted commas not better um depending on what day we'd recorded this podcast i have a different feeling on this race i just don't know the one thing i do know is i want to take on classical dream and, and flooring porter because i think they could just beat each other up up front um it's then who's going to pick up the pieces tyne hill is just i just can't quite believe he's going to be good enough uh champ um was my anti-post bet for this race at the start of the season um and I was feeling very confident as he headed in towards the cleave. And then I don't, don't quite know what happened in the cleave. I sort of felt like he got to the front and idled a little bit. And maybe he could have a, a, a more um, patient ride, you know, because when he won in uh, the RSA, as it was, you know, he, he came from a long way back because he couldn't, he couldn't hack the pace and he flew up the hill. So whether John Joe could hold him up and, and deliver him a little bit later with one long run, I don't know, but my selection is still Paisley Park in the hope that he jumps off because he gave them, as you said, 10, 15 lengths and he sprinted clear up the hill. Um, 
Cheltenham is his course. He was third last year, you know, off a, off a fairly poor preparation and coming back from that heart issue. So um, it's by no means convinced, but he's where I'm leaning today. Come back and ask me tomorrow and it'll be a different answer. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really surprised. I don't blame you at all because it is, as I said, really wide open. Um, this James, this this new course, it does uh, it does benefit those with with hold up tactics but, um, in mind. But, you know, something like that from Paisley Park was just remarkable, really. Can he if he was to say give Aidan Coleman a hard time at the start, um, could he do that in a in a race more with more depth to it? Or was it or was it really it was it because there were only a few horses sort of sort of fell apart the race sort of fell apart in front of him last time out that it was it, he was able to reel them in or could could he be able to do something like that again in a stairs I think he was fortunate Ruby Walsh made that statement and he? he might as well pull up and head towards the paddock and, and then he goes on flying up the hill but the only reason he did that was because the rest of the field disappointed ultimately um he's never shown that he's 10 lengths superior to these kind of horses in the past he's been good but not that good um, and he's getting older and he hadn't looked quite so good throughout the season. So for me, it was great to watch, but that just sums up the stairs hurdle picture for me completely. And the fact that he was able to do that classical dream bombed out when we saw him over in Ireland, Florin Porter's a little bit of a, nut, a nutter. Um, you're never quite sure what to get. So I have absolutely zero strong conviction for this race whatsoever. And I'd love Willie Mullins to decide that Mellon might want to go back over hurdles again, because he has entered in the race. He's entered in loads of races. But for me, Mellon's Cheltenham record, it could see him run well. Look, I, I don't think he's going to go there. But if Willie did decide when he woke up that um, Mellon might want to go back over smaller obstacles, I, I wouldn't put you off him. The one that's solid, and I agree with Ross, though, is he really good enough? Is, is Time Hill. He's been to the festival, champion bumper third to NY Allen, only being a couple of lengths fourth, beating just a length and a half by Monkfish. That was a cracking Albert Bartlett back in 2020. Is he really good enough? But I think you can kind of set your clock by him in the fact that he's going to run his race. He might not have to be a, a proper stayers champion to win the race. But for me, it's a really a, a no bet and, and a watch which one's going to come out on top this occasion. Tom, uh, your antipro selection was classical dream. Listening to what James has to say, has to say and and you know, looking at what he did last time, did that run concern you? Can you put a line through? Um, it it did concern me. It does concern me. But I think. Every single horse at the top of the market has concerning features from this year. Like the guys, I don't think Time Hill is good enough. He's been in this division for a long period of time. He always runs his race, but he's never stamped his authority at the top level. Um, he's won the odd race, but he's never been that you know authoritative victor, the monster in the division. Pacey Park was. I don't think he still is. And the fact that he managed to beat Champ last time out just puts me off Champ. I know, you know horses can bounce back and Champ looked really good prior to that um, defeat in the Cleve, but I just can't get over that effort. I mean, Paisley Park was giving him 15 lengths at the start and still beaten by a margin. Um, that's inexcusable for me. Classical Dream, I think you can make an excuse. He's been so good so far this season. He was a really good novice hurdler. Obviously had a, um, a long break and came back and looked as good as ever. I think last time out when he was stuffed, the, the ground was very tacky. They said that the ground probably caused um, a below par performance. Now the ground could again be tacky at Cheltenham and, and that's a reason to take him on if it is uh, if the jockeys come back and report it as as being as such. But uh, I think if the real classical dream turns up and all of the horses turn up at their best right now, I think he's the sharpest of them and he will win this race. But uh, you can make a case for all of them. You can make a case for none of them. It's a really tricky event. 
Yeah, classical dream nine to two. That's why there's just not much between any of them in this market at the moment. Florian Porter's four to one. He's my selection. He was at the anti-post stage. It was interesting. I heard that Danny Mullins had said that Florian Porter's second to classical dream was was as, as good as his win the last time at Cheltenham because of the, the the race and how it panned out for him and the fact that he got he got so many lengths at the start. And I think that essentially this is will be all about the start. Ross can see, and I can see where he's coming from, that they might be taking each other on health leather uh, and there might be something coming from, from the back or they could just be much, much better than the rest of these, especially the English horses, um, as Florian Porter was last year and stay there. So, yeah, it'll be it'll, it's interesting to see how this unfolds, um, but um, very, very open. Um, we'll head into the 410, the Paddy Power Plate, run over two mile five furlongs, uh, a type of race, a handicap that we've sort of seen run at Cheltenham many times this season, the Paddy Power and the Racing Post Gold Copper run over the same trip, which has served this podcast well. And this this uh, this race saw a remarkable win for the Shunter last year, winning his bonus of the more battle. He was a second season novice chaser and in general novices have had a good record in this, but the first three in the betting, they're British trained. Um, Celeb Dalen uh, is the 13 to two favorite as it stands in Pill Alcazar for Fergal O'Brien 15 to two and the Glancing Queen for Alan King is 17 to two. Um, Ross, I'll start with you. As the favorite is an ex-Louisa Carberry trained French sort, Celebra Dalen. What can you tell us about him? He's thrived over here and he's now up 20 pounds from his first win. Um, is he one that, that was held, held in high regard? And as because I'm not entirely sure, huge amount about him, but he's he's stepping right up in class um, and uh, he's fascinating. Uh, I'd love to tell you an answer and I, I don't have it. Sorry, Jess. Um, all I know is that it sort of he looked like he needed soft heavy ground and he put that to bed firmly at um warwick last time you know sprinting sprinting clear um he just does look a bit of a chancy jumper to me of a fence at times um i think jumping around warwick is very different to jumping around cheltenham in a big field handicap um and and that would put me off him but he clearly has got an engine but he's climbed the the weights at a great rate um but i do like the british contingent here and i do like the glancing queen from alan king um I think she's got about the best piece of course form in this race. Um, you know, 10 lengths by L'Ompresse. Um, we've gone on to see what he's done. She was actually dropped a pound from 142 to 141 for that race, um, which seems sort of a, a small but kind gesture from the handicapper. Um, she finished in front of Vienna Court on debut at Bangor. That was over two miles, but Vienna Court has improved for a step up in trip, but I think it's fair to say that Glancing Queen has too. And crucially, she's a very sound jumper. Um, that'll stand her in great stead. She can be ridden fairly prominently. Um, I think I think she's got a great chance. I think she's been laid out for this race since the since the Dipper. Yeah, she. I like. I, I think that's such an important fact for the for on the new course as well for over fences. You've got it. You want to be a good jumper. You want to be one that can uh, race quite handily. It's just whether she might actually go to the the mare's chase. That's an option for her, which is. It's just the shame, really, about that race because it just it could split up a horse who could add a good good element to this. But um, Ross, the is all about the glancing queen. Tom, um, progressive horses have won this race in the past um, and have gone on to be graded performers, like the storyteller, the road to respect. Is there anything in this field that that could be could be one of those? 
Yeah, I'm hopeful of the grand parody. Now, he's got three entries at the festival. Gordon Elliott obviously has multiple entries from most of his handicappers. Um, but grand parody is a novice. As you say, novices have a great record in this race. He may not run here, but fingers crossed he does. Um, two and a half miles is his trip. Obviously, this is an extra half a furlong, but that's perfectly reasonable. I think he's well treated. Um, and he's run nicely the last twice behind Fleur and Blue Sari. Now, Blue Sari made him look silly last time out. Um, but Blue Sari, I think, is a graded horse on his day. He can be a bit in and out. Um, Grand Parody could be chucked in. He has a really high cruising speed, which helps at Cheltenham. And I just don't like this British contingent for any of the races, apart from uh, the champion chase. Like, I, I can't buy any of them. However, there is an English horse I do want to mention in this race, a huge price, which is Silver Hallmark. Now, maybe again, this is a heart overhead because he's been in my tracker since the start of the season. I thought he was going to develop into a, a real nice um, chaser. Hasn't necessarily come to fruition yet. Um, but he's going to be a massive price here. He beat McFabulous in the Novice Hurdle, which is very good for him. McFabulous is a talented horse. Stay in now. Um, he's had truncated season. I don't know if he's had training issues, if he doesn't take his race as well. I'm not too sure. But uh, he's had a break virtually after every race. Comes into this race fresh. I think he'll be readied for a crack at this event. Um, the Ruckers, you know, target races from a long way out. Silver Hallmark, probably not going to have too many races in, in his career. And this could be the one um, that he's targeted at. I don't think he'll win. He could get a minor place. I think Grand Parody is my number one selection, though. Okay, yeah, they'll probably be about 33 to 1 for Silver Hallmark. Grand Parody is currently 11 to 1. Uh, thanks to Tom. To James next, If are you are you agreement with Tom or with, with Ross? Could this be an English win or, or is it one for the Irish? Yeah, definitely not agreeing with TC. In the camp of Ross for this race, he said exactly right about the glancing queen. Uh, I echo all his thoughts, long press form is strong on New Year's Day, dropped a pound. The question mark is, is, he, is she going to run because she has that mayor's chase option? I'd definitely rather see her in this contest. I just think the handicap option, she's got a bit of scope with her mark, I think, in the open mayor's race. Uh, we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. I'm not quite sure she's going to be good enough off levels um, against some of those. I was going to go for Imperial Alcazar, but I just felt he got a fairly hefty rise for beating Beaks down, eight pounds, Beaks down's not from nine. He hasn't won any offences for a reason. And he got finally put in his place by Pat's fancy at Chepstow a time before. So giving £11 to the Glancing Queen, I, I don't think he can do that. Uh, Celeb Dylan is interesting, uh, the other British runners, because I wasn't sure whether that Haydock form would transfer across to Warwick last time out. He was very strong in the market. Connections knew it would. And he was a cosy winner. He's only gone up £6. He's also well handicapped. Um, so if the Glancing Queen doesn't go, I think Philip Hobbs horses as a fantastic chance. But uh, yeah, for once, I think the British have a, a, a chance of getting one on the scoreboard in this race. Yeah, I uh, agree with you. Not for the horse, but I do agree that this could be English uh, going to the English. I think I, I agree with you about Imperial Alcazar. I think he's gone up too much. But I just think that they really fancied him last year for the attempt. I think he went off favourite. He was struck into. His jumping has now begun to improve from race to race. And he just, he, it ticks a lot of boxes bar the, the additional weight, especially with that course and distance win form. I also wouldn't put anyone off Vienna Court, another mare who's returning to uh, the track that she's been thriving at this season. I don't think she was suited to Doncaster last time out when she was second. Um, I do think, as I said, coming back to Cheltenham over two mile full furlong will be interesting. She's another one that's in the mare's chase. Um, as well so we'll just see how that um what, what the connections decide but the, um, the Vienna court team um the Twisted Davises do have 
than Bella as well for the mayor's, mayor's chase if they decide to separate them. Okay, we'll head to the mayor's novices hurdle the next race to be run over two miles. Um, a race that's been farmed by Willie Mullins um, over the years, but Henry de Bromhead broke his total domination this race last year, but the ball does look to be firmly back in Willie Mullins' side of the court as he holds all the aces in this race, according to the betting. Dino Blue, right, she's three to one favorite. Brandy Love, another one of his, a 72 party central. Um, is five to one. Um, Grangie is 15 to two. Um, and um, Bar Party Central, who is Gordon Elliott's, Willie Mullins has the first four in the betting. Um, so, um, Ross, is it a Mullins mayor you'll be siding with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, unusually for me at the head of the market, uh, Dido Blue, I think she looked electric last time, um, finished a long way clear of the second, who would have won next time up but for falling late on and even further clear of the third and, and the third did win next time up. Um, I think it's notable. He likes to come here with fresh, unexposed horses. She's had one run. He obviously felt that was enough experience for us, put her away for this. Um, so yeah, I'd be quite sweet on her chance. I think she looks like a very good mare. Yeah, she did uh, create a massive impression. She's a really uh, likable looking sort, only from what I saw on the on on the TV. But she's got a great pedigree going back to Grand National runner-up Royal Eclair. Um, I can see in her pedigree. So yeah, really nice type. Um, we'll see if her lack of experience will be a, a, a positive or negative. James, for you, is is it a Willie Mullins horse or is there something else in there? Well, you mentioned her in the Bromhead. Only got one entry in the race, uh, and that might just sum up the fact. The yard hasn't had a great year by his high standards, but I was intrigued by Music Atara. Um, she's a big price. Um, she has only had two starts under rules, 22 to 1, 6 to 21 on debut at Leopardstown, and 6 to 4 favourite. She's well backed at Navin on heavy ground, and she just stayed on too late, finishing third. This is a race which can provide a shock. I've got no strong uh, form lines with, with the mayors of Willie Mullins' team, and look, literally, he's probably going to bring it home and may have a 1 2 3. But you can get 51 winner of this race and music guitar is a big price. She'll be one staying on up the hill. She probably wants further a sounder surface. If it dries out by day three, she won a point to point on good ground. She was 120,000 euro store. So she's got a nice bit of size and substance about her. If Henry does decide to run her, the fact that she'd be the only one for his team, you'd imagine Rachel will be on board. That's got to be a big positive. If you're backing one at a big price. So uh, music guitar in the race again, it's a shame the fact William Williams has got so many, though, you've got to ask the British trainers, what are they doing in the fact that why are they not concentrating on mares more? You've got three races at the festival just for, for mares only, and yet still it's the Irish that absolutely dominate in this division. You had a Doncaster mares listed race on, on the weekend. Rebecca Menzies won at one rate at 109. Oh, there's no strength and quality to our mares races, yet for whatever reason, um, our top trainers just aren't focusing enough on the mayor's side because if you get a really good mayor, aka Honeysuckle, you can then go in the open division and take on the best that way. So I do think it's something the British trainers do moan a little bit about the Irish having all the best horses, that you look at these mayor's races and, and there's very few British entries, never mind ones that have got a chance. So that's something I think the British trainers over the next few years do need to really start getting a handle on. Yeah, we you can't we can't exactly complain about handicap marks or anything. And look, looking through this, Love Envoy for um, Harry Fry, she's unbeaten. He's also got another unbeaten horse in Lady Adair, but they're double figure prices. And Love Envoy, to be fair, hasn't done much, done anything wrong. She's looked really, really good. And Tom, I'll, I'll come to you. But thoughts? Is she a double figure price just 
of an assumption that the mayors in Ireland are, are much are much better than ours. How can you? How could we even begin to compare at this stage? Well, look at her rating. She has plenty to find. As you say, she's done nothing wrong so far this season, but she's had a pretty tough schedule already. She only ran once last year, but she's already had several starts this season. Maybe this is one uh, race too many, especially against this kind of field. Willie Mullins, I think, will win this race again. Um, we've touched on a few of them. I don't like Brandy Love. She has plenty of ability, huge engine, but her jumping puts me off. Now, I know she's going left-handed now. She was going right-handed last time, but she questions the hurdle every time she comes up to it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she went out to the right this time. You know, She seems to be very hesitant, and that's enough to put me off. Allegory Devassi would have been favourite in this race, but I think she's been um, confirmed that she's not running. Yeah, so that kind of leaves this race wide open. Now, Dino Blue could be the joker in the pack. Ross has already made a good case for her. She only had one start. Um, that wasn't enough for me to fancy her at a short price. She's currently being backed even during this podcast. She's shorted in price. Um, so I'm going to take a shot on Grongy, another one of Willie Mullins. And for the second time, I'm going to put up a horse that fell last time out. <laughs> which is very hypocritical, um, breaking my rule again. But she was a real smart bumper horse. Um, she actually beat Brandy Love and Party Central, who's in this field, um, when she uh, won at the Dublin Racing Festival last year. She stayed on powerfully on heavy ground that day. Maybe she needs testing ground. She's not going to get that here. Um, fingers crossed there's not too much rain anyway. Um, but after winning hurdling start, she faced the boys this season. I think the fact that Willie Mullins put her in against the boys just suggests that he thinks she's pretty useful. And she actually moved into the Solarina last time, uh, the race that was won by Allegory de Vassi, Brandy Love in second. She was moving into the race smoothly um, before falling. And the reason for this one, why I'm, I'm willing to excuse her for falling last time out, was she actually jumped the hurdle really nicely. She just knuckled on landing. I don't have any, any questions about her jumping technique. I think she'll make, uh, put in a clear round at Cheltenham. And she's a decent price, so Grangy for me. Uh, yeah, she's 15 to 2 at the moment, and I'm lucky enough to be one of her 69 shareholders um, with syndicates at racing. And I heard from Brian Cooper in the voice notes afterwards that she was full of running and it was a really un uncharacteristic uh, landing. As you said, she knuckled. It wasn't a fall. Um, she just didn't pick up her, her front legs properly. So I don't think you can you can look at that literally. Um, yeah, she was put pitched in against the voice. She wasn't... Um, beaten that far behind Mighty Potter in a grade one at Leopardstown and she ran really nicely um, in the bumper behind Sir Gerhard at Cheltenham last year and even though she was beaten 13 or, or so length she was staying on really well and um, I, look, the team the, the owners group are really excited about having her in here and feel like she can um, run a massive race so I'm with you as well TC and I know that rest of uh, the syndicate will be delighted to hear it as well so they'll be listening so that is 15 to 2 about grand g so we'll head into the final race of the day on day um day three of the chapman festival this is the kimio handicap chase over three mile two furlongs the amateurs will be back in their rightful place um there was an extraordinary victory of my um with mount ida who came from almost held off to win this and um, as i said the amateurs are on board and for me it's all about which ones and which Irish amateur jockeys um, will be riding who, as in terms of experience, they're, they're very much in another league, the British amateurs. Um, and that's probably reflected in the betting. Frontal Assault, a lot of Irish horses lead top these. 92 favourite, Smoking Gun, 13 to 2, eight, that, ain't that a shame, 7 to 1. Um, and we can go through the prices depending on what the lads think. So, um, Ross, I'll come to you um, first. Your thoughts on this race, you know, my opinion is that it is very jockey based. Is that something that you have to take a big indication with as well? Yeah, I mean, I think you can 
take sort of 40 entries and and via uh, looking at jockeys you can take it down to a short list of half a dozen to eight i think um derrick o'connor would certainly feature on that list of jockeys you could uh, certainly give a strong mention to and he had a sight on glenn low last time in an amateur handicap chase um, derrick o'connor would widely be regarded as being able to hold his own against the professionals um, but he did a very good impression of an amateur riding a finish I thought on that occasion, he didn't look at all strong, didn't look to be getting in any way vigorous with him. Um, I think this has been the plan all along. He's been in my tracker since Fairy House. Uh, he's off a mark of 134, having been uh, second in the 2018 per attempts um, of 137. He has got that pesky six pound Irish tax, um, but I think an extra quarter of a mile will see him to good effect. Um, and I'm quite keen on his chances. 18 to 1, um, good price at the moment for Glenn Lowe in the JP McManus colours. Uh, TC, um, as uh, Ross was saying, type of Derek O'Connor for me is, a, is, an, is an obvious one. Uh, Jamie Codd, Patrick Mullins, all the likes. Is that something that, is that an, another area for you? Is that, is, would you share those sentiments? Yeah, I wouldn't bet in this race until I found out who was on board um, or indeed found out who was running in the race. I'm going to put up a horse <laughs> who I've already tipped for another race. Um, I tipped him for the Ultima, but he might run here. Who knows? And that's ain't that a shame. Um, hopefully everyone listening also listen to the podcast uh, for Tuesday. However, I'll briefly repeat my case for him. Um, he's a, He was a smart novice hurdler last year. He was considered pretty weak. So I think the, the extra time to let him mature and physically develop is key. I think he's a different horse this season. He was too keen on his return, uh, but he stayed on nicely when he was third to National Hunt Chase favourite, Statler, and hopefully National Hunt Chase winner, um, Statler. Uh, last time out, he travelled beautifully, just got picked up in the closing stages. I think his mark is plenty fair enough. If Ain't That Shane runs here, I think he'll win. If he runs in the Ultima, I think he'll win. But this isn't a race that I will be having a bet on at all until we find out who's on board these horses. James, um, who is it going to be for you? I'm going to go for Oscar Elite. Purely more heart rolling head in the fact that I loved him when he fell at Cheltenham. Back in November, he was travelling really strongly behind three for under five. Last year, he came alive at the Spring Festival, second to Vinnier and the Albert Bartlett, third to Ahoy Senior at Aintree. It's gone badly wrong, and it's a little bit worrying behind Lon Press, where he did run a little bit better. He actually bled on that occasion. But in the, the festival previews, uh, this is our team, Joe in particular, said he's looking a lot better in his coat. He's beginning to, to find his feet. He is looking for a jockey. He didn't know who was going to ride him, and it will be a case of, of who's left. Um, it's tough for the British amateurs because they don't ride as often as their Irish counterparts under rules and in these kind of races. And the Irish ones are definitely more professionals in the amateur sphere, whereas the British riders on the whole are mostly in the point-to-point -point scene. They don't ride that often under rules. So that is obviously a little bit of a question mark, but I think he's well treated off one, three, four. Um, I can see him staying on strongly, stepping back up in trip, just in, in how good he was over three miles over hurdles. It's been two and a half the last twice. And if he's back to what he showed on that first run over fences, I think he could have a bit of an each-way squeak. But again, like TC, Ross, you've got to wait and see what jockeys are declared in these horses um, come whenever it will be Tuesday. Mine is, again, uh, uh, it depends who Jamie Codd chooses. And looking at the betting, it probably will be frontal assault. But I do like Gordon Elliott's second horse, which is Smoking Gun. Um, he's been put up two pounds to a rating of 140. Um, I just think he's a horse that sort of will really appreciate this test. He's a horse that has the hold up tactics have really suited him in the past. And he was 
factor nearer his best last time I lost him out after pulling up in in the Thiestes chase, um, which you can just put a line through. Um, but he's a, he, he seems to be a, a, a quality horse on his day, but he can throw in a couple of bad performances, though it would be good to have um, the likes of Jamie Codd on board. Um, but that is the Kimia that ends what is quite a, a, a tricky day in all in all, bar Alaho, I think. I think it's quite open, L less like Wednesday. I think there aren't as many obvious favourites here um, but we, um, we've we had a good look through uh, we'll get to our naps and our next best but don't forget with SBK for new customers if you deposit £10 you get £50 in free bet um, which will be a great incentive for the Cheltenham Festival um, 18 plus and over only so we will head into our, our naps and our next best and I'll start with you Tom Collins. Yeah my nap is going to be Don Boyne in the Potemps. Um, I just hope he gets in as I say he's number 30 at the moment 24 gets in uh, I just think he's really well handicapped and it's a plot job and the next best is Grongy in the Mayor's Novice. Um, I think she's got a great chance in a race that Willie Mullins is sure to win. Um, hopefully she'll at least finish in the top three and maybe even win. Good stuff. Um, on to Ross. I'm, I'm going against the great TC. Uh, the nap is Dino Blue in the Mares. Um, I thought she was visually very impressive and I think the form has been well boosted. And the next best is uh, at a big price, Honest Vic, to get one for the UK in the per temps. Okay, um, so the Roscoe partnership is split up for, for, for Thursday. Um, we'll see how that transpires. We'll go on to James. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Alaho as the main nap, main nap in the meeting out of the, the short price favourites heading into... The four days, uh, I just think he's got an outstanding chance and realistically only Alaho himself will probably beat him. And the one that's next best is Oscar Elite. Uh, just so disappointed by how he hasn't progressed since that promising chase debut, even though he fell uh, back in November. If it is also got him back on track, he's well-treated in the Kim Muir. Hopefully we've got a jockey that we all like and he isn't too far away. Well, let's hope that they've been listening to this and they've called up Will Biddick because that sounds like just the perfect idea for him. Um, myself, I um, my my nap is going to be galloping to Champ because I'm pretty. I, it seems like he's going to turn up here. I think he will, and if he does, he he wins um, at the first race. And my next best will be it is slightly jockey dependent, but it will be smoking gun. I do think this race will really suit him, the Kimia. So um, I'm taking on um, James in that respect. Um, okay, that's it. That's all from day three. Um, and if you finish um, for day three and want to listen to day four, you can listen to that now. Um, otherwise, best of luck uh, for day three of the Cheltenham Festival. <laughs>